So, uh, today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew. It's chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, if you could all follow along with me. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Everybody's doing well. It's, I heard that uh, Tuesday is spring. It, it does not feel like spring. To officially, I think, uh, March 20th, uh, starting spring. You know, as, I, I don't know I'm, as I'm getting older, you know how people say, like, there's, like, chill in your bones kind of thing. I mean, I feel it. I know what that is. I'm like, God, praying, summer, summer, please come. But anyways, hopefully uh, everybody is well. Once again, welcome to our church, New Mercy. This is our Hackensack 1030 service. My name is Won J. Hudson, one of the uh, pastors here. And today I get to uh, share the message of the Lord. Um, our church, we have been going through a special theme this year. Our focus this year is on relationships. So uh, the official theme for 2018 here at New Mercy is call to restoration our relationships. Uh, we believe that one of the most distinct way uh, sin or brokenness affects our lives is through relationships. Right? That's why I think one tangible way in the fallen, broken world, uh, we have many, much difficulties in our relationship. People that we love, especially uh, you know, our family situations, uh, with our parents or spouses, with our children. And we felt led that, especially this year, we want to take a honest and also, uh, uh, you know, come, come before the Lord to really have the Lord uh, speak into our, all our relationships. So uh, this year, the pastors got together and all the sermon series, right, all our preaching, uh, most of our preachings uh, will center around the theme of relationships. So our last sermon series, we focused on the seasons of intimacy, right? We talked about different seasons of life and how relationally uh, we are to view it and allow the Lord to really come and speak honestly in our marriages, you know, different relationships, different seasons. Uh, the new series, so we're starting a new sermon series today. We decided to go to the Bible. This is a good thing, right? Go to the Bible and Focus on the Gospels, and we want to look at uh, Jesus and his relationships. So very straightforward. Our sermon series title is Jesus and his relationships. And what we want to do is we want to examine different Gospel passages where Jesus is relating with people, how Jesus related with people. Uh, what did that look like? What are some things we could glean from? What are some of the truths that will be that can be displayed in our lives, in our relationships, so that we also can be healed, uh, that we can be better aware, uh, what areas that we need to work on? What are some of the components? What distinguished the relationships? that Jesus had. So for the next a couple of weeks, the different pastors will come up 
And we're going to narrow, hone in on a passage, on a particular narrative stories to share about Jesus and how he related to people. So, so this is a series. Today, I get the honor of launching this series, and today will be an intro slash general sermon. And what I want to do is I want to take this passage, Matthew 9, 35, 38, which is a very familiar passage. I'm sure you heard many, many sermons on it. I feel like I preached on this even text many times here at New Mercy. Uh, we'll look at this passage, and I want to just draw out, draw out uh, three distinguishing marks Whenever Jesus encountered meaningfully with a person or people or groups, uh, I believe that this, t- this, text could, this text teaches us perhaps maybe three ways that we can see how Christ, how Jesus Christ related, relates uh, with people. Okay, so that's kind of like the approach I'm going to take. I'll see how it goes. So with that, can we just pray together if we may? Let's, let's pray before the Lord. Um, Seems like you guys had a powerful time of praise and worship. Uh, let's, let's really ask the Lord, Lord, bring us together. Father, as a community, we're here. Lord, we are your people. At the end of the day, Father, uh, we, we don't come as individuals, but Father, you see us as a church. We're here today corporately uh, joined together to worship together, Father. Uh, we are, uh, you are forming us to be your people more and more. So, Lord, unite our hearts. We pray for a unity of the Spirit. We pray for humility, God, that we can really just lower, uh, lower our guards, God, even our facades or whatever, whatever we're putting out, Father. Uh, may you maybe shatter it. Uh, Lord, give us uh, clear eyes and ears and that we can really receive uh, your word today. Holy Spirit, we uh, invite you. Uh, Father, we thank you for your, your amazing uh, love, your grace over our lives. Again and again, Father. Again this morning, we, we come under it. You know our flaws, you know our, our brokenness, our, our, our wickedness, Father, our sins. And yet somehow, again, Jesus, you cover it. Father, you cover, you cover it under through your son, Jesus. And Father, we stand under it confidently, God, under the blood of Christ. So Lord, will you unite your church today? Will you unite our hearts? Help us to really come together, uh, hungering and desiring more, Father. Because at the end of the day, Lord, there's nothing else. Father, we need more of Jesus here. Lord, we need more of Christ in our church, in our midst, in our homes, in our hearts. So Jesus, we, we call upon you. Help us to really see Christ. Help us to really be fed by Jesus today. So, Lord, uh, you know who we are. You know where we've been, uh, Father. Uh, but, Lord, again, again, Father, uh, receive us. We, we stand under that powerful uh, uh, blood of Christ again, Jesus, this morning. So we thank you. We thank you for this privilege to worship freely, to love you, Father, uh, to grow in and through you, Jesus. So cover us. Be with us today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Whenever I study, when I read the Bible, I think for me it's very clear if I were to think about uh, what was Jesus' passion, what was Jesus passionate about. Uh, I think whenever I read the scripture, I think it's very clear. It's just very simple for me. Uh, I think Jesus was passionate about people. Jesus was passionate about people, simply. What drove Christ? 
what motivated Christ, what excited Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, whenever you read the gospel accounts, uh, every account is, it's really he invested and he was excited about people, about human beings, for men and women. Uh, I think uh, what really, what really got him alive, what, it, what got him in the morning, excited him was he knew his mission from the Lord, from his father. And as he was sent, everything else was really about, about loving others. It was a people. I think his passion was people what drove him. Uh, we want to look at relationships. Uh, we want to look at relationship and how Jesus related with others. And today's text, again, very familiar text from Matthew 9, 35 to 38. This is a section where Matthew, the writer, is actually summarizing, summarizing the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. So if you go to uh, Matthew chapter 4, five chapters before, there is, uh, in Matthew chapter 4, 23, there is a similar verse. It says Jesus went through the Galilee teaching and preaching and healing. And here today we see in Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the kingdom good news, healing the disease and sickness. So very similar uh, verses, Matthew chapter 4, 23, and here again, Matthew chapter 9, uh, 35, which means this is ending working like a bookend. You know, technically, it's called inclusio, right? So this, what it is is basically the author is describing a section of the Bible uh, showing us this is what Jesus, this is what the life of Jesus was looked like, what looked like, the ministry of Christ looked like. So starting from 4.23 and kind of closing here at uh, Matthew 9, 35 to 38. So he's kind of bringing it to the end. So today is like a summary text. So four verses here, uh, Matthew is summarizing. If Matthew were to look at the life of Jesus Christ, the ministry of Jesus Christ, what it felt like, what it looked like, if someone were to ask, hey, Matthew, give me a summary in four verses. What did Jesus do? This is it. Okay, at least up to this point. So he's kind of summarizing. And uh, when you read this text today, like I said, it's a very familiar text. I'm sure many of you read it many, many times. But at least for me, what jumps off the page, these four verses, Jesus going through towns and villages, teaching and healing and preaching, and, and he saw the crowds and shepherd, you know, sheep without a shepherd, and compassion and harvest. Um, I really see, again, Christ's passion and engagement with people. So in the, in the, in the eyes of Matthew, uh, what Jesus did was he was constantly on the move. He says he went through all the towns and villages. I mean, think about Christ going town after town and just kind of, you know, no cars, right? Walking around and engaging with people, loving on people, healing, teaching, preaching. And, and it shows in chapters 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Chapter 4 shows us the launching of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus gets tempted in the, you know, in the desert by Satan and comes out and he starts his preaching ministry. And he's preaching the kingdom of God is here. And you're going by town to town and sharing the love of Jesus, love of God. Then we know the great teaching, the one of the, probably the most distinguished, greatest teaching segment in the Gospels, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 to 7. So there's that teaching element. You know, talk, you know, I'm going to talk about a lot of teaching elements. Then from chapters 8 and 9, tons of healing. You know, healing of the lepers and the blind men and the, the, the son of the ruler and on and on and on. Casting out demons. So again, this is a summary. Right? 38 to 38 is, uh, 35 to 38, chapter 9 is a summary. Kind of like Matthew is ending this section and giving us what the life of Jesus Christ looked like. And it was, again, about engagement 
It was about people. It was about ministry. It was busy, constantly moving. It was about relationships. It was about relating to people, speaking into people's lives. So, and if we're, so as we take this text, this summary text, and we want to look at it in, in the lens, through the lens of Jesus and his relationships, how he dealt with people, perhaps we could draw, again, three just general themes. Okay? So I'm just going to kind of start very quickly today. Number one, Jesus always saw people for who they really were. Okay? Jesus saw people, Jesus always saw people for who they really were. Verse uh, 36, it says, again, when he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, many of us, we, uh, we, we see many things, right? We look at many things, but we often, we, we, we observe many things, but what we really see or how we see things it, I think, really distinguishes us what type of people we are. You know, back then, too, back then, uh, scholars write, there were a lot of different groups of people who had different motives, uh, different, uh, different political or, or economic or reasonings beyond, beyond how they saw people. So, for instance, the Romans who occupied during that time, right? Romans were occupying this land, Israelites. What did the Romans see? When Romans saw the crowds, they saw people to conquer. They people to oppress or lead. Also, there are a lot of religious leaders, a lot of Pharisees, Sadducees, these scenes. There are these people, Sanhedrin, uh, people uh, competing for religious authority. And during that time, what did the religious people see? Well, when they see these people, they saw these, these, these poor people basically through the authority, religious authority, the Old Testament or the, the old law uh, to, to oppress I mean, the name of God to rule over. The tax collectors, perhaps when they saw the crowds, they saw people to extort money. They just saw money. On and on and on, people saw the crowds in, through different lens of sight. But scripture today teaches us, as, again, Matthew is summarizing. And Matthew is saying, when Jesus saw the crowds, what did he see? He saw people who are helpless and harassed. They saw people in their true sight. See, whenever Jesus encounters someone you know, in, a, in, a, in a meaningful way, he always saw people for who they really were. Today, he, sa- he says that Jesus saw people, they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw people in their brokenness, in their spiritual brokenness. Sight is very important, right? Seeing, obviously, is very important. You know, a couple of weeks ago, one of our kids, you know, Nora, broke her glasses, and she's a terrible eyesight. And, and remember, you know, emergency situation because she can't see the board and stuff. And went to Walmart, whatever, and getting her glasses. And on the way there, I kept on asking Nora, Nora, you can't see anything. Are you okay? And she's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm like, you're not okay. I'm okay. I could see. I'm like, no, you can't. I could see some. Anyways, sight. <laughs> sight being very significant, very important. Physically, physical sight, viewing, vision. But whenever scripture... Uh, whenever the Bible talks about sight, it's never just physical, right? Never just in the, in, the, in the physical kind of sense, but it's always dualistic. Remember John chapter 9 when Jesus talks about the healing of the blind man. He comes and heals this blind man. There's an elaborate story in John chapter 9 that at the end of that passage, after this man gets healed, Pharisees come, the religious leaders come, and they get into this huge argument with Jesus Jesus, you know, and at the end of it, the Pharisees argue, 
And they say, Jesus, what do you mean we can't see? Because Jesus tells the Pharisees, you also can't see. What do you mean we can't see? We can see everything. We can see fine. But Christ says, because you say you can see, that means you actually are really blind. Always, throughout the scriptures, many, many, many times, physical sight and spiritual sight is connected. I think how we see again, how we see the world, how we see people, how we see the crowds, uh, it speaks a lot uh, to uh, what is really inside. I think someone says, someone said, what you see speaks to who you are. And how you see, how you see the world, how you see people, perhaps shows what's in your heart. Again, you know, perhaps maybe some, maybe single people, I don't want to make fun of, and I am not, but if you're in that season of looking for a mate, perhaps, or, you know, you, wanna, you know, you get married or date, you walk into a crowd, what do you see? You see, hey, he's okay, she's okay. I mean, right? What, what drives us? The way that we see and portray and uh, perceive things, it's really, it's what's inside. I heard that, you know, uh, there was a realtors meeting. Do we have any realtors? I'm not making fun of realtors, but realtors meeting. I heard whenever they go to a gathering, a meeting, the first thing that comes to mind is, who doesn't have a house? Who can I sell a house to, right? So whatever is inside, it kind of speaks even through how you see things, how we see things. For Jesus Christ, when he saw the crowds, he went through all the times of religion. When he saw people, when he saw people, he saw brokenness. He saw the true state of who they were, how, how we were. And that's how uh, this morning Christ, uh, Jesus Christ sees us and how he relates to us first and foremost. He knows. He sees us. And he knows exactly where we go through, where we are, who we are, where we are. Uh, and I think that's kind of like the first thing that I want to I I start us and leave us. Um, all the meaningful relationships that we see throughout Scripture, whenever Christ, Jesus Christ encounters a person or people, uh, he always, he always uh, doesn't get, he's not blinded by the facade or the coverings or, or whatever pretenses or the masks that people put on, but he goes straight to the heart. Remember John chapter 4, woman at the well. Bring your husband. Where is your husband? She tried to put up all oh, this mask, worship here, worship there, all this stuff. That at the end of the day, Jesus sees right beyond. He sees, he knows exactly. He always saw people for, they, who, for who they really were. And he sees us in our brokenness, in our situations, in the, in the correct context of where we are, where we come from, and who we are. And I think the first thing, number one. Number two, as we think about, again, just the relationships and how Jesus related with people, what drove Christ, what drove Jesus Christ was his compassion, was his compassion. Again, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He had compassion. The Message Bible, another translation, Message Bible says this, when he looked out over the crowd, he's, his heart broke over them. His heart broke over them. Matthew, again, as he's summarizing, as he's giving us a summary of feel for what the life and the ministry of Jesus looked like, He's saying that what motivated Christ, what drove Christ at the end of the day uh, was his compassion, was his compassion. The word that's used here, uh, compassion, is the word, uh, I need to say it because I want to, my theological Greek teacher feeding me this for for a long time, splug, splug, 
knizomai. It's like knizomai. And the word, I, I say it because the word, I was reading this and it says uh, like t- uh, 20 words that can change the world, and this was one of them, right? Uh, the word itself, the spelling knizomai, this word translated as compassion, is a very unique word. It's only used 12 times in the Bible. And there are actually other ways the Greek uh, language can write compassion. There are two other ways, and it's, it's written throughout the Bible. Uh, but this word distinctly is used here by Matthew, only used 12 times, and every time it is used in Scripture, in the Gospels, uh, it's, it's attributed to Jesus Christ. Or I think there's one time Jesus uses it in a parable, and it describes God. Meaning, never ever, 12 times, 12 uses, this clinzomai is used to describe human beings. Meaning, this level of compassion, what, what motivated Jesus Christ, this, what we, I mean, many scholars think this is an unfair translation. It's not even compassion. Because we already think compassion and we know what it is, but it's beyond. The word itself is a deep, just deep, emotional, descriptive word. It, it's talking about, there's a part of you, inner core. Literally, it's, it's, a, it's a descriptive word. It, it's a intestines or the bowels or stomach turning and twisting to a point of pain. It's that, that kind of word. What drove Christ as he saw the crowds in the true state, this is how he relates with us, relates with people. At the heart of what drove Jesus Christ was his compassion. What's, what's the, it was this. It was this. He saw the brokenness. He saw people harassed and helpless. The word harassed, actually, another translation is torn. It's, it comes from a word where, like, an animal skin and people are ripping off the skin. That, that's, that's the power of this word, helpless and torn. The word helpless, it actually comes from a word, some, taking something and just chucking it, throwing it to the ground. So when Jesus saw the crowd, when Jesus saw people, that's what he saw. That's what he saw. He saw brokenness. He saw people who are lost, people who are abused. A lot of pain, a lot of hurt in this world. And as he saw that, he says he saw the crowds, and he had compassion. He had, he had his inner core start turning and twisting in pain. Right? His, his, his compassion, his empathy coming out because he sees what's actually happening. Right? That, that drove Jesus Christ. Compassion is hard for me. Uh, personally, um, I think even after just all these years, you know, growing as a Christian, um, if I were to be completely honest, I think this is one of the areas also it's still very difficult for me. What do we know? What does it mean to be compassionate? Especially, I think, our generation today, with all the just brokenness and pain that we hear every morning. Uh, you know, honestly, I get up every morning. I turn on the news. You know, I watch CBS News every morning. I, I turn it on and... Right? I mean, the, 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 just the times that we're in. Uh, just story after stories and pain and, and injustices and, and just all the stuff that's going on in our world. Um, how do you maintain compassion? How do, you, how do you hold on to that part of your heart that you are supposed to feel this thing? I mean, I, I don't know how you guys do it, but honestly, if I were to just... I, I, I can't. And people term it sometimes, oh, we have compassion fatigue, right? Our generation, we have compassion, or even now it's beyond compassion fatigue. It's like compassion numbness. Because we hear it and we see it so much every day. 
there's something happening, brokenness, pain in this world. Uh, we don't feel it. That's why I think more so when we read sections like this, at least for me, uh, I'm actually thankful. Lord, so thank you that you use that word here <laughs> only for you <laughs> because I can't do this. I don't have it, Lord. I'm tired. But yet, knowing what motivated Jesus Christ was actually compassion, uh, Lord, I want to at least look at you. That's where I am. I don't feel it, and yes, you know, at times, mo- a lot of times, if I'm completely honest, I don't feel it to the degree that I need to feel it. It's hard. Compassion is hard. But I know someone, I know my God, my Christ, who every day, even now, when he looks at us, I believe that he feels this. He has compassion over us every day. Yes, in your stories, in your situation, in your context, he still feels the compassion. He does not have compassion fatigue. Our God is a compassionate God. His compassions never fail. His mercies are new every morning. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? What's driving Jesus Christ is this compassion that does not end. And that compassion is actually over us. It's over me. As I'm watching these, these painful, painful stories and craziness around the world, even though my heart is hard, I have a God who has compassion over me, yet still, again. And that's my, that's my hope, or that's, that's the hope that I look at. I don't have it, but I could point to Jesus. And by looking at Jesus, sometimes God comes and he renews it. Often, that's how he gets renewed. I, I focus more on Jesus Christ, and he renews I mean, if I were to just give maybe two tips, I guess that's it for my life. Number one is that whenever you feel a dry compassion in this area, go back to Christ. Go back to Jesus Christ. His compassion over your life. His unending, every morning mercy, compassion over your life. Again, even now, this morning, right? He's covering us. He's covering us. He's a deep-seated compassion. We go to that. We go to Christ to start again, asking for freshness of compassion. Go to Jesus Christ. The second thing is, I think, start small. Meaning, we, there, I mean, if we're to think about, if we're to love the world, yes, and world is vast and many issues, they're overwhelming. But perhaps we could start small. We could start just where we are today, Lord. Who can I show compassion to today? Don't think about the world. Don't think about, you know, all these crazy shooting, whatever is going on. But for me today, this day, as I'm at work, as I'm at home, as in my school, how can I, as a Christian, show the compassion of Christ? To whom? Today. That's it. You don't have to, we don't have to change the world today. Right? We just have to do it today and just look at Jesus every day. I think that's, that's one way, at least for me, I, I, I pray. Because, yes, it is overwhelming. And there are a lot of things we can't change. But right? well, we start today. We start small and we get Christ. But once again, as we think about relationships, as we think about how Jesus related with people, what drove him was this compassion, this, this, this thing. Turning of the bowels inside, intestines, twisting type compassion over, over people, over us. 
Okay? So number one, again, Jesus always saw people for who they really were, and what drove Christ was compassion. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were uh, helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And the last one, uh, end with this, is he envisions a harvest. Excuse me, he envisions a harvest. Uh, I must have, again, read this passage hundreds of times, um, Matthew 9, 35, 38. I mean, that's why I love the Bible, because it's like a, such a familiar passage. But then again, this time as I was reading it and studying it, something, another layer. I'm just like, God, this is, you're, you're amazing. And for me at least, this another layer was these last two verses. Um, it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. For the first time as I was reading this, this, these last two verses came very awkwardly to me. Right? Because as I'm processing this, this, these four verses in the, in the theme of relationships, I'm thinking, yeah, Jesus loved people. So he went to towns and villages, and Matthew, once again, summarizing. He did a lot of ministry, you know, teaching and preaching and healing, and he's like engaging. He's, 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 he loves people. He's investing in people's lives. He's discipling. He's doing all this stuff. Then he sees people, and he's like, wow, they're so broken. They're hurting, and they're in pain, and his heart starts to break. Then, all of a sudden, he goes, the harvest is plentiful. Right? I mean, I don't know. Do you, like, for me, at least for the first time, I felt like, wow, there's something really awkward in this text. Never saw it before. Because I think most of the times, whenever I used to preach, preach on this text, it's all about missions. Harvest is plentiful. People are there. Go. Let's go into the world and let's get the people. Bring them into the kingdom. Right? But in the context of these four verses, something is a little bit awkward. No? You saw the crowds. He had compassion on them. What did he see? He saw brokenness because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I felt like what God was saying and what Jesus is doing here is actually, I think, he is vision casting. I think he's vision casting. He saw people. Whenever he relates with people, he sees people exactly the way they are. You know, nothing, no covering, no facade, nothing could deceive Jesus Christ. He sees us at the core of who we are, our hurts, our pain, our brokenness, the situation that we're in. But then also what? He envisions a harvest. See, the word harvest is fruit. It's, it's, it's crops. It's golden crops. It's like ready. It's like rich. That's the image here. That's why it's a little odd to me. Because he just said, you're broken. You're sheep without a shepherd. There's hurting and there's pain. But then he's like, the harvest is plentiful. <laughs> a little bit off. But what hit me this time was, Jesus is actually vision casting. He is saying, I see a harvest in your brokenness. I mean, this, that's what hit me this week. Even in the midst of your brokenness, I also see a harvest. In the midst of your brokenness, your lostness, your sheep without a shepherd, your harassed and helpless and terrible, painful situation that we're in, but yet to me, I also see a harvest. I see readiness. 
I see something is coming. See, the way that Jesus sees us, He doesn't just leave us at the place of brokenness. Yeah, I see your pain, your hurting, your, you know, I, I feel you. I feel you, compassion. No, what He sees beyond. He sees a harvest. The harvest is ready. These people are, yes, hurting, but also that dualistic, that means they're also broken and they're ready to receive me. They know exactly who I am and, and what I can offer, and they're calling out to me. See, often I think in the brokenness, there's a call for harvest. Your, he sees a harvest coming in the season of your brokenness. As we close, today, I, I want to leave us with, you know, the message could be kind of like, yeah, let's go, let's do this, let's, 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 let's see people the way Jesus saw, and let's have compassion, and let's, let's vision cast over people's lives. Let's not just meet people, and, but let's have hope. Let's speak into people's lives, and let's see greater things over people. I mean, I don't want to kind of go there today. But the way I want to kind of close is, before we get there, and I think for Christians, yes, we need to follow Christ, model Jesus Christ. I pray that when you walk into rooms like this, you see, you, 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 you have that compassion and we see, true, we see this true state of people. But more so today, perhaps we could end by... Um, looking at this text... You know, this is how Jesus sees me first. This is how Christ sees me. Jesus Christ uh, really sees me, really understands me. He, he's the only one who, who sees me. He, he sees us, and he knows exactly where we are and what we're going through. The, the pain, the, the, the difficulty, the harassment, the, uh, you know, he sees us. Exactly the way we are, where we are spiritually, our struggles in and through our struggles. And Christ uh, has compassion over us. And Jesus Christ has compassion over us. His heart breaks over us. You know, I, I was reading this book, and this pastor was saying, I think one of the issues in our generation today for our Christians is that I think I don't know if we really, really, really believe that God um, values us. But, you know, and I was reading this and I was getting challenged. I was like, you know, we say, yeah, God loves me, God forgave me, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, do we really, really, really believe that God values us? That he sees us as individuals and there is this worth. That you are precious. That you bring me joy. That you are worth it. With that same drive that God has compassion over us. He loves us. And that compassion is renewed every morning over our lives. And I know today, look again, before anything, I want us to receive that. That's how he wants to relate with us. Then lastly, he casts a vision. He wants to vision cast over your lives. Every meaningful encounter in the scripture, in the gospels, when Jesus meets people, 
Christ always vision cast. The disciples, you know, fishermen, tax collectors, all these broken so-called nobodies, come and I will make you fishers of men. They meet Christ, and Christ, it's not just about the encounter, but there's always vision cast. There's always more. Jesus Christ always sees more and beyond. There's always vision casting. You are like this now, but this is not you. You're going to be like this. You think you're this, but you're not. You're going to be like this. You are this in my eyes. The woman at the well, the tax collectors, the, all those people who are hurting and broken, everyone meaningfully who encounters Jesus Christ, Christ always casts a deeper, further vision over their lives. And I pray, and I, I believe that for us too, as God is, he, as he relates to us, as he wants to grow in our relationship, as he wants to grow and cultivate a deeper relationship with all of us, he's constantly vision casting. He's constantly saying, no, there's more. There's, I see more. You are here and maybe you're getting older and you feel like, oh, you're stuck or you're just kind of, hey, in my, in my life, is it going to get better or, or different? And Christ sees a harvest even in your brokenness. He just said, you know, you're a sheep without a shepherd. You're lost, but yet there's harvest. Harvest is plentiful. He sees something in his coming. And I pray for that. I pray for over all of us in that. So with that, can we pray? If we could just close. Again, today, uh, just a you know, a little bit of a general intro sermon. Uh, we, and, you know, the week's coming. We're going to head into uh, distinct stories as G- Jesus encountering people. But today, if we can, again, uh, pray and just leave with that. Leave with, uh, before anything, before us going and ministering people or, or serving God, uh, can, we be, can we just receive first today? Can we just be fed? Uh, reminding ourselves you know, personally you know, he, he loves us as he loves people, as his passion is people. Uh, he is passionate. He is passionate about us, individuals. And he sees us exactly the way we are, where we come from, who we are. And he knows our pain, our wounds, our difficulties, our challenges. And he's driven by compassion. His heart breaks over us. This supernatural love that, that comes over us every day, every morning. To all of us. And he sees beyond. He sees more into our lives. He speaks something greater over all our lives. In the midst of our brokenness, our shortcomings, whatever the situation, the context that we're in, He sees a harvest.